All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Student Athlete Sessions podcast presented by D3 Direct. Today, we are joined by former Lewis and Clark men's basketball player and co-founder of the Bilingual Basketball Initiative, Adrian Romero. Adrian, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Carl. Super excited to be here. Yeah, let's let's kick this off as we as we normally do. I'm going to let the guest uh, take the lead. What is one thing uh, that, that the listeners should know about Adrian? About me, um, I would say I'm a person from a super small town, but very ambitious. Uh, love to meet new people and travel to different places. And I would say, yeah, that's like when it comes to me, that's one thing I think everybody should know. I'm very spontaneous, open-minded, and always down for a good time. Love it. And, and tell us a little bit about that small town. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a small pocket in northeastern Oregon, a little town, farm town, pretty much called Erigan, Oregon. So what they did was they, when they came up with the name of the town, they took irrigation and Oregon and put it together and, and we have a town. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> super small. There's like 1700 people there. It's all agricultural based, a lot of factory work as well. Like running a lot of potatoes out there, onions, corn all that type of fun stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, the community is pretty tight. Um, when it comes to the demographic, it's pretty split between Latinos and white Americans. Um, but yeah, people get along for the most part. And it's a small town living, I'm sure, like any other small town and like throughout the U.S. For sure. What what's your high school basketball experience look like? If you 1,700 people in the town, the high school was probably what, like 200 kids or... Yeah, yeah, we had about 200 kids, so yeah, 50 per class. Um, yeah, tradi- like historically, our high school wasn't very good at basketball. And then I want to say like my, when I was like in eighth grade, they kind of started showing a bit more life. And then when I became a freshman, it was like our first year over 500. And then the following year, we ended up going to the state championship and losing and then my junior and senior year, we ended up going to the state championship and we won both of those times. Um, so it was a uh, it was quite a turnaround. It was a lot of fun too. like when we were winning, the community was really behind us. So games were always packed. Uh, you had to get there early to find a seat and there'd be people like standing on the baselines of the court. And it was it was a lot of fun. That's for sure. What, what was the change? You said something some sparked in, when you were in eighth grade or or what role did you play in that? I think what happened was, you know, we had, a, I, had a, I was surrounded with a pretty good group. Um, you know, there was a core like, you know, five to six guys. Yeah. Five to seven guys that I grew up with that we were always playing together. Um, we would play outside on the blacktop for the most part. And we played at this like elementary school that had a really small court and it was only big enough to where we could play three on three full court. So we were there like all summer long for the most part. And we were just playing all the time. We were all super competitive and we would challenge each other, but we were also really receptive to like coaching. And we had a few coaches that came along the way that really started teaching us how to play basketball, how to space, how to move without the basketball. And then some of the older guys, when we got to high school, we started joining some of the older guys that were, I guess they were freshmen and sophomores when we were in middle school, but they were also competitive um open to coaching and I guess it was kind of like a it was a good mesh between us and them and 
we started to become a lot more competitive and yeah, we just stuck to a process and started winning. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing that you don't need anything crazy. You know, it's, you just, you guys spent a ton of hours on the court together. you were, you listen to your coaches and uh, you know, results, results uh, speak for themselves, I guess, with back-to-back state championships. But um, with that group of guys, you know, was there always an idea that, you know, the seven, six or seven, of you guys wanted to play college basketball. Was that something that only you went on to do or what was, what was the group's thought process there and your thought process? Yeah. I mean, Whenever and growing up playing with uh, my friends, we never really talked about playing in college. We always just talked about just playing, wanting to go get to the court and and just play as much as we could. So we really just fell in love with playing playing basketball all the time. Um, I didn't really start thinking about like college ba- playing college basketball until maybe like my junior senior year of high school. Like I always watched it. I would always watch the NCAA tournament or follow parts of seasons. I'd always watch like NBA basketball, but it didn't really seem like, um, it just seemed kind of like an idea, something that I think would be cool to do, but didn't seem like real up until probably like the tail end of my senior year. I was like, Oh, I could have probably actually do this. (laughs) And, but a few other guys ended up going as well. I had, I think two, no, there was, yeah, two teammates, two other teammates from that core group that ended up playing college basketball as well. I think where, where did they end up going? Yeah. So two of them, they went to community college. One of them went to a community college in, in Pendleton, Oregon, Blue Mountain Community College. And another one, another one went to Clackamas Community College out here um, in Clackamas out of, outside of Portland. Gotcha. So both of those guys are pretty good players. And I think probably could have played beyond there, uh, but things, you know, life happens. But yeah. Yeah, I still play with those guys today. I mean, I, I live with one of them. Um, and we play three on three, playing three, three on three basketball tournaments in the summer. So we'll be playing in Spokane this, this uh, end of June uh, with, yeah, those two that played in college and one of my other friends that was on part of that core group as well. Yeah. Those are the bonds, man, uh, of sports. I think that, that a lot of people, everyone always focuses on the, the, the trophies and the individual accolades, but it's those, it's those uh, teammate bonds that, that stretch beyond and, and long into life once you forget what your stats were and, and all that. So I love to love to hear that you guys are doing it. Um, I, I'm curious about that moment. You, you talked about during your senior year where you said you, you had a realization that you might, like college could be for you. Um, what steps did you take? Did a coach come to your practice? How did you get seen? You know, I just pulled up a map of Oregon because I'm, I grew up on the East coast. So I'm a little unfamiliar, but it looks like Oregon is, about three hours uh, east of Portland. So not, not crazy far away, but, but still far enough that um, what, what was the step for you that, that got you interested in Lewis and Clark or were there other schools in the mix? Yeah, good question. I think, so when it comes to the area I come from, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to, I guess, get a lot of exposure. Like there, at the time there wasn't like a, there's no solidified AU team that you're traveling with to go to like all these tournaments, like everybody else is. I remember the closest AU team that was like more official was out of Yakima. So that was like an hour and a half from where I live. So at a certain point I got invited to play with them a few times. Um, but other than that, I didn't really play like too much AU basketball. 
So what really, I think, made a big difference for me was the, the connections I did have. So Mitch Thompson, who was my coach my senior year, he's pretty well connected in the basketball world. So he, I think he kind of opened some of those doors and he got in conversations with different schools. And of course, we had film and we would send all that out. And then there was one opportunity where one of the coaches from Lewis and Clark was able to watch me play live in, uh, in Salem, Oregon. I got to meet him there. So that was awesome. But then, yeah, I think the biggest thing was just staying consistent and loving to play and, and working hard at it every day, but also, you know, having the right network and meeting the right people and just being good to everyone whenever I ran into people, because you never know what doors they could open. So I think that's what made the, I guess, the marriage of me, like being able to go to college and play basketball is one it was, it was a given that I was going to work hard, but with the area I was coming from, it wasn't like super well connected when it came to like the college basketball world. Yeah. Makes sense. And I mean, that's the, that's for a lot of America, that's the case, you know, it's not, I think, you know, there's a cluster of uh, division three schools up in the Northeast, but, but when you look at large stretches of the Midwest and um, you know, I think there are 15 States where there's not even a D three school. So there's, you know, I think your experience is going to be applicable for a lot of kids out there who are growing up in small towns and and not sure exactly where they're going to get that first look from. And so I think that perspective of just trying to play hard, develop your skills. And then, like you said, be, be good to people uh, when you meet them and never really knowing how it's going to come back. Um, not doing it because it's going to come back to benefit you, but right, right. Um, just, just live in the right way. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious now about your experience at Lewis and Clark. Like once you got on campus, um, you know, what was, what are some of your highlights either on the court, off the court? Um, you were a four-year basketball player, but um, you know, I'm sure, like you said, you're ambitious. So what else did you get up to when you weren't, when you weren't hooping? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess when I first showed up to Lewis and Clark, it was, it was an interesting experience for me. I had never really gotten out of Eastern Oregon too much. I think I'd only ever been to Portland, maybe like maybe three times <laughs> before then. So it was a quite a culture shock for sure. Just being around different kinds of people that I wasn't used to. So it was a lot more diverse. Uh, people had different ideas that I wasn't exposed to before. So that was really interesting, especially in the beginning, but over time kind of adapted, learned new ways of how to do things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really good experience. I guess when it comes to like highlights, I would say, I mean, to me, when going to college, I think the biggest takeaway was the relationships I created with people, whether it was on, on my basketball team or outside of my sport. Um, I always love to be personable and learn about different people's lives and their cultures and where they come from. I mean, that was, that was the biggest takeaway, I think, from my college experience. And I still you know, cherish a lot of those relationships that I created and stay in contact with a lot of people. And I think anybody that's going to, to college, that's probably one thing you should really do is try to get outside of the circle that you're regularly hanging out with and expose yourself to people from all walks of life because you're never going to know what you're going to learn or what perspective you're going to get. Yeah. Was there a moment for you where... I mean, I know you said it was, it was different just get going to school, but um, like once you got on campus, but was there a moment for you, like a class or like an experience that really stands out that, that you felt like you grew from? 
Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like I grew from. I just remember, I remember my first, my first class, they had like a, like a gen ed class. It was exploration and discoveries, what it was called, E&Ds, whatever we call it, acronym. Um, it's like your basic like English class. And I just remember the, they started the class and they were like, okay, everybody go around, you know, say your name, where you're from and in your pronoun. And I was like, what is a, what's a pronoun? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I really hope they don't, they don't pick on me first because I'm going to have no idea what's going on. And everybody's going, going around and they start, you know, they're saying I'm so-and-so John, he, him, or they'll go like, uh, she, her, they, them. And when I heard they, them, I was, I was thrown off. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, I have no clue. And I'm trying to figure out like the concepts, but then like after the class, the people started explaining, I, a few people explained to me like what that meant, like having um, like not identifying with one particular, I guess, what, what is the word? Like gender, gender things like identity. That. Yeah. yeah. Gender identity. So like, that was like a big, a big, hurdle for me at first I didn't I'd never heard of the concept never really got exposed to it so I think in that moment I was like okay I'm in a place where this is going to be a lot different and this is this is only the beginning and but it was really good for me I, I learned a lot and yeah I got to meet some really great people but yeah yeah no I know what you mean I, I feel like I, I've talked to athletes who've had a similar experience and you know definitely don't apologize for athletes or like feel that like, I think that's, that's something that division three schools do such a good job of is like treating athletes as students, right. And putting, putting kids in situations like the one you're in where maybe it is a little uncomfortable, but trying to like grapple with just different people and how, how they've been raised or, um, you know, new language or, or things that I think like just broaden your experience. I think oftentimes as athletes, like especially at big schools, it's a, it's a very focused, um, but also shielded experience that you don't really get to interact with the rest of the student body. And so, um, it's the, it's the moments like that, that are pretty, that are rich. And, and also, like you said, they, they challenge you. It's a little uncomfortable, but, but ultimately you grow from it and it, and it expands your network and, and who you are able to come into contact with. So, um, that's, that's cool to hear. Uh, and, and so you graduated, you, you went through school, part of school during COVID, if I'm not mistaken here, or were you out before? I was out. No, so I, gra- I graduated in 2019. Right. Okay. So what was it like graduating? And then I'm assuming like June, May, this time of year, and then about less than a year later, COVID hits. Walk us through what was going on then. Yeah, that was it was a pretty crazy time. I mean, so when I first graduated, I was unsure of what type of job I wanted to get into or type of career. Um, so for the summer, I just I did I ran some summer uh, sports camps. The Jordan Kent uh, sports camp is what I ran. So they would do like basketball, football, soccer, and you were just running camps all day long. So I did that for the summer and up until the end of the summer. I was like, OK, I think it's probably time I should find a real job. And then I started applying to different places and I went through an agency that worked specifically with college graduates and they were able to connect me with the company I ended up working for and with a, in a recruiting job. Cause I knew I wanted to work like interacting with other people in a teamwork like environment. Um, I wanted to be communicating consistently. So I saw the recruiting job and then I never, I never really heard of like 
a, a recruiting position. I didn't really know it was a thing. I guess like where I came from, that like, wasn't really like a, a job people talked about. Um, but I started doing that. And I was in the office for the first, I want to say like, I started the position in September. And then so what was it? March rolls around. That's what, six, seven months later, six months. And then from there, I was working remote. And I mean, it was as a young guy, you know, working remote, you have access to some, some more, to money for the first time in your life. It was, it was pretty fun. Like I ended up traveling quite a bit. Um, I would just take my computer wherever I wanted to go and hang out with friends in different States or I'd go to Mexico and post up as long as I had Wi-Fi, I could do my job and then go to the beach afterwards. And yeah, just traveled quite a bit and yeah, navigated that through COVID. It was a interesting time. That was for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the beauty of remote work, but, but it's, it's funny to see, like, I'm, are you back in the office now or are you, are you remote? So I'm working remote right now. So right now I'm in between jobs. I'm working a part-time position in a, in a sales role um, for a printing company. So I'm doing that right now. And I'm also applying to other positions, but yeah, I've been at home since I haven't, I haven't worked in an office in an office since 29, yeah, 2019, early 2020. Gotcha. And, and you've got a cool initiative in the works as well too, uh, with the guy you mentioned, your former coach, uh, at Aragon High School, Mitch Thompson, you're, you're trying to go back and, and I think serve the communities that that you benefited from so much um, with some with some hoops camps and maybe building on that experience you got right after school. Tell the tell the listeners about about what you've been working on there. Yeah, the the bilingual basketball initiative. So essentially, you know, after after high school, me and Mitch always stayed in contact. And we both knew, you know, we're both from the same area, but we always knew we wanted to find a way, a unique way to give back to our community. Um, and we knew that there was like different cultural barriers and cultural gaps um, between people in our community. So we thought, you know, it'd be a good idea to try to find a way to get people in the same place, you know, interacting with each other that wouldn't normally uh, be exposed to each other. I think that's what, that's the power of sport. You know, I think that's what was happening too. When we were, um, when we were winning as a high school basketball team, you had people in the same room that wouldn't normally interact with each other, uh, becoming friends and creating relationships. But back to the basketball, basketball camp, there's a pretty strong Latino community and a lot of migrant workers as well. Um, and many of them, you know, they only speak Spanish or their English is limited. But then there's also people that, you know, speak both languages or some that only speak English. So we thought, OK, what if we, what if we put together a camp where we can coach it in both languages? We'll coach in Spanish and we'll coach in English. So it'll be a bilingual basketball camp. And the goal is to, one, get people in the same place, but also create an empathetic environment. So what we'll do is we'll coach in Spanish only at times. That way it puts an only English speaker you know, in a position where it gives them an idea of what it would be like to be in a position where you're learning something and not understanding the language um, that you're being instructed in. So it kind of gives you, you know, a perspective. It kind of puts everything on its head where it'd be like someone that's only speaks Spanish, you know, walking around every single day, trying to learn in the classroom or trying to order a meal at some restaurant, you know, little things like that. Um, not everybody thinks about that. So I think when 
we do this in the camp, it, it gives those people that, that perspective, that what, you know, how hard it could be to learn something when you don't know what's being told to you. Totally. Develop some empathy from a young age. So like you said, those, those are going to be their peers throughout life. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Um, in addition to just the benefits of getting the kids outside and playing and, um, and, and there are a number of other services that you guys offer as well, right? You were, you were talking about haircuts a little bit yeah, before yeah, we started so, the call. Yeah. There's a few things that we do. So we, we work to get all the kids like free back. The camp is hundred percent free. And we try to get them all free backpacks, school supplies. We'll get them books that'll also be like, sometimes they're bilingual books or they'll just be in English or in just Spanish. But yeah, we also bring barbers to offer free haircuts. I think over the last couple of years, we had maybe three or four barbers. And one of the things I didn't realize was um, there's a lot of kids that they don't get to go get a professional haircut from a barber or go to the salon and get their hair done. Um, a lot of these kids that they can't afford it, the family can't afford it. So they're, they're getting the haircuts at home. And we had a lot, we had quite a few kids come up and tell us like, yeah, this is the first time I've ever got my haircut from a barber. And they were super excited. And some of the barbers were explaining how some of the kids told them they're, they're usually uncomfortable getting a haircut or they don't want to get a haircut. It's not like a fun experience for them up until, you know, they get, someone that really knows what they're doing, cutting their hair. And it was more enjoyable. And, you know, it, it was, it was really fun. Uh, you get to see the kids get a fresh cut and there's a smile on their face, but it's little things like that, that people don't always think about, you know, that, that's, that's missing in people's lives. Those, those services that seem simple to others, but um, can be big for some. Yeah, no, that's an impact for sure. It's, it's those moments of human decency, treat, treat them like uh you know, just probably feeling like any other kid at that moment and, and, you know, get the haircut, get the school supplies and, and just feeling on top of the world. So where, where are you guys going to be taking this? I know it's somewhat of a, a roadshow. You're, you're going touring around Oregon, right? Yeah. So we'll be in Hood River, Oregon for the first camp um, where that'll be taking place on the 25th of July. And then we'll be going further East into Morrill County where it started but we're going to be in Boardman, Oregon. And then we're also going to host a camp in Umatilla County in Hermiston, Oregon. So if you're not familiar with the geography of Eastern Oregon, Hermiston is like, is like the big city. That's like their biggest town out in the region, but there's only, I don't know, 25,000 people or so. Um, so over the last couple of years, we've had, I want to say 200 kids per year, but this year with the addition of the new locations, I would imagine we're going to, we're, anticip we're anticipating about 400, 400 kids. Okay. And, and how can, I mean, you said it's all free. So how are, how are you funding that or, or how can people support you? People that are listening to this support you. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this first and foremost, just, uh, you know, just talk about it. I think the exposure of the camp is, is the biggest thing uh, when we can reach more audiences and, and get in front of other you know, organizations and just people knowing about us. But yeah, when it comes to the funding, the, the camp, it's been all from reaching out to local organizations, um, getting funds that way. We've also started a GoFundMe. So individuals have been donating as well. The first year that was the majority of our donor, the majority of our funding came from the GoFundMe. But over the last couple of years, we've really tried to reach out to more companies, especially within the area. 
but we're also reaching out to some some bigger companies requesting sponsorship. So that's still in the works. Uh, but yeah, I mean, donating is great, but I think the, the exposure and talking about it is even better. Yeah, definitely. And, and in terms of um, it's a, once you, I know you mentioned where the camps were, but it's not a hard stop with the GoFundMe, like the GoFundMe will be open until the end of the summer or when, when is the last time people can donate? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any like uh, end on the GoFundMe. We keep it open all the time, but we just we try to repost it on social media. So it kind of stays uh, relevant, but yeah, I mean, I can send you the link that if you could share it, um, that'd be great. Definitely. Yeah, people can donate anytime or they can reach out to us directly or our website at the bilingual basketball initiative. You'll see some contact information there as well as email. So if you're interested, um, that's where you can reach out to us. Perfect. Yeah. We'll make sure to link all that stuff on the show notes so people can, can get it quickly. Uh, and, and we will also be in touch with, with Adrian and Mitch uh, throughout the summer, getting highlights from the camp Um that, that we'll share on social media and, and we'll be reposting their stuff. So keep an eye out uh, whether or not you want to support what they're doing in Oregon or, you know, try to recreate it in a community that you're passionate about or that you benefited from. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a model that, you know, is uh, definitely scalable in other places and it's, it's not limited to Oregon, but the, the impact is, is pretty incredible to see. And um, so yeah, just props, props to you and uh, to you and Mitch for, for giving back, man. It's pretty cool to see. No, I appreciate it for sure. And there's like, yeah, like you said, there's communities like this all over the United States. Um, so this is something that's scalable. And if, you know, if we're invited to other places, you know, we're happy to come if we can make it happen. Definitely. All right. Well, let's close this out with, uh, you know, a little bit of parting advice. If, if you were talking to a 17-year-old you know, version of yourself or just a kid back in Oregon who's playing basketball, what type of advice would you give them for their future? Yeah, I think uh, a few, a few different things. I think first and foremost, it's gotta be a given that you're, that you work hard, you know, and whatever it is that you do, I think oftentimes people may work hard at one thing and then they, they may say it was, they work hard in their sport, but they slack in the classroom, you know, your habits were, were, we're creatures of habit. So what, one way we do one thing is how we're going to do everything. So I think working hard in your sport, working hard in your, your relationships um, with friends or your family, as well as in the classroom, I think all those things are important just because you're going to create a habit of always being that person that works harder regardless of what you do. And I think that that's going to take you a long way. Uh, but also be, be as personable as you can. I know some kids are introverted or uh, are sometimes intimidated or um, embarrassed or whatever it may be. And they shy away from asking questions, especially from like, you know, people in authority or people that are older than them or that don't look like them. You know, I think it, it's difficult, I think, to, to, to reach out to those people all the time, but try to, you know, gain the confidence and the practice of having conversations with people that either don't look like you or older than you or have more authority than you. And just be personable, not always trying to get something out of somebody, but all, but just trying to learn and know that person. I think that goes a long ways. And yeah, stay open-minded. I think a lot of times when kids think about college basketball, they're only thinking, oh, division one or, or nothing. 
there's all levels, you know, there's division two, there's division three, NAIA, uh, junior college. And one thing that I've learned, especially playing at Lewis and Clark, I've been exposed to all levels playing in open gyms with players that are division one or D two, or even pros at times or Juco. And if you, what I've found is if you can play college basketball, you're a good player at the end of the day, everyone's going to be good if you're playing college basketball. So I wouldn't be like discouraged to go play at a Juco or, or division three or division two. There's all types of levels that you can play at. And it's about what's the best fit for yourself. Um, so that's one thing I would think about as well. But yeah, and at, at the end, and also believing in yourself, because if, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to. Um, so always have that self-belief, no matter what, regardless of, you know, hardships, uh, don't get discouraged, always got to come back and, and go hard and stick to the process. For sure, man. Great advice. Great advice. Great conversation. And uh, it's been, it's been nice to meet you, Adrian. I'm sure we'll keep talking over this summer as you guys, um, you know, run those camps and then continue to promote them out in Oregon. Um, and yeah, excited to see where your career goes from here. You're, you're, you're making an impact already. Um, and uh, sky's the limit. So. Yeah. Appreciate having, having me on Carl. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to know you a bit more as well and get more familiar with D3 direct. So I'm looking forward to see how we you know com- continue to partner and stay in touch. For sure, man. Thanks for coming on, Adrian. This has been another episode of the Student Athlete Sessions. Uh, for all other previous episodes, check out the link in our bio on either Twitter or Instagram. And uh, stay tuned for more content like this, talking to great student athletes like Adrian. All right. See you guys next time.